just like facts have no place with an organized religion. Michael Graff. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, you have got to be kidding, sir. First you think of an idea that has already been done. And then you give it a title that nobody could possibly like. The Michael Graff Show. Hi, it's a kite, everybody. Goofballs. How would you handle this? We could try ignoring it, sir. I see. Pretend nothing has happened and hope everything turns out all right in the morning. Just a thought, sir. I've considered that. Warning. The following broadcast is presented without the use of talking points, blatant hypocrisy, or Kool-Aid. You know, it's bad when this guy has to become the voice of reason. It's the return of the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Yeah, new intro and everything. That's good. About time. I was I was wondering when I was wondering when I was ever going to get around to doing a new one. I, I sort of for, force fed myself to make a new intro. Hey, welcome in. It's another edition of the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show. Here we are. It is Friday, October 15th, 2010. Contact information for the program, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show is how you can contact us on AOL Instant Messenger. And naturally, uh, MichaelGroff.com is the place to go for all of your other accessory needs. Everything Michael Groff related. It's all there. It's at the one, the only MichaelGroff.com. One day, a new website will be there. I Somehow... Somehow, someway. The running joke. All right. uh, Today, a very interesting day. I mentioned, yeah, October 15th. um, If I'm a little distracted right now, I'm I'm having a... I I am a little bit giddy while I'm recording this show. While we're doing this show right now here, I'm watching the Yankees get their ass kicked by the Texas Rangers. And I'm loving it. It's 3 nothing, 3 nothing Texas right now for the Yankees. All right. Normally, I don't do gratuitous shout-outs on the air. I'm, I'm not one to, uh, to use this forum for a gratuitous shout-out, but this is one of those times where I'm going to do it. As I mentioned, yes, uh, today is October 15th. It is uh, my... One of my good friends, Jeff, who's a frequent contributor to the show. He's been on the show many times. You know Jeff. And uh, it's his birthday today. And normally I wouldn't say happy birthday to a guy, but Jeff has really some bad luck going on for him. (laughs) So it's his birthday and he's having dental surgery. And not just dental surgery. He's having all of his wisdom teeth removed today. He, where he had them all removed today, like eight o'clock this morning, and then he had his. Uh, then he's going to have more dental work done. He's going to have another tooth. Uh, he's going to have a root canal done on it, then a crown. So the guy is going to have, I don't know, about two thousand bucks or twenty five hundred bucks worth of dental surgery done over the course of the next few days and uh, I got a text message from him today so I guess he made it through he lived 
He just said his whole face is numb. That's usually what happens when they pull out all four teeth. So uh, I took Jeff out for beer last night. I think it would have been fun to ha- take him out for beer tonight when he's on all that Vicodin or all that crap that you, they, they put you on after they do that uh, that surgery. They they knock you out to pull out your wisdom teeth. And they put you under the anesthesia. And then they give you Vicodin or Percocet or something else when you come out of it. And you take that and you take... Uh, some penicillin or some kind of antibiotic. I think it would have been great to take him over to the German restaurant tonight instead of last night. Oh, well. So shout-outs to Jeff. Uh, He's... I feel bad because that's no way to spend your birthday. Everybody else, all of of our other friends, they all went out to Vegas. I'm so jealous. I wanted to... I, I wish I was in Vegas right now. But I went to Vegas last week. I went up there and uh, hung out with Hillary. Uh, as you know, she lives up in Vegas. And so I sort of part, I'm, I'm like part-time in Vegas right now. And so we hung out for a few days. I, I took the flight from hell up to Vegas. Uh, we had some very turbulent weather here last week here in the Phoenix area, here in the uh, desert southwest. We had a, a whole bunch of... Um, it was just crazy. We had hail. We had tornadoes across the state. We had... a, a a lot of wind damage, uh, severe thunderstorms, just uh, crazy weather uh, for this time of year. And so uh, at the tail end of that weather, I flew out and went up to Vegas to see Hillary. And I I thought for sure I wasn't going to make it. Uh, It was maybe some of the worst turbulence. It was one of the worst plane rides I've ever been on. The plane was was bouncing side to side on the flight, moving up and down. And, And of course, I never really get motion sickness on the plane. I always get motion sickness in a car. But I was getting motion sickness on the plane, and uh, I, I was sitting... See, this is the thing. You have to understand, those of you that don't know me, I'm six foot four and about 250 pounds, okay? I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy. I've got a big frame. I've got big, broad shoulders. The worst place for me to sit on a plane is in the middle. Uh, an aisle seat, fine. Being smashed up against the window, I can sort of deal with that. But the aisle seat is obviously preferred. And I was in the very front of the plane, and I, was, I had a middle seat, and I'm sandwiched between a very uh, a woman that was, couldn't have been a day under 175. And then to the right of me, there was a guy who was like this bald guy who was kind of fat, and he was sitting there the whole time going... <coughs> he had like the ultimate smoker's cough. The guy clearly had been smoking for like 45 years. And at any point, I thought a black lung was going to come up on me. And so that certainly didn't make me feel any better. While the plane is bouncing around and they they didn't even give us any drink service or anything, they couldn't uh, because, well, they did for us uh, up in the front, the first few rows. So that was good. But then, uh, yeah, they had to cut off the drink service. You know, the flight to Vegas is like 40 minutes. It it was fine up until the point where, uh, well, up until the point where we took off. (laughs) There was like two minutes of smooth flying and the rest of it was really bad turbulence. And not just up and down, but side to side. And then the landing was was freaky. Uh, the There was a lot of wind shear coming into Las Vegas. So it was very turbulent weather in the skies. And uh, the wind shear on the plane, it was, it was, it was horrendous. And so... Um, and the pilot was not necessarily all that reassuring either. The pilot gets on, he's like, Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be experiencing some very, very uh, bumpy weather coming up uh, ahead. Uh, for your safety, uh, we would just recommend that you stay in your seats at all times. And uh, listen, everything's going to be all right. 
<laughs> yeah, he's like, uh, everything's going to be all right. I, you know, I, I promise we're not going to die. I'm not going to kill you. Uh, I, I Listen, uh, I just got my pilot's license reinstated the other day. I, uh, I did a flight simulator, and seven out of ten times, I went through the wind shear uh, test and did just fine. What about the other three times? I heard that, and the other three times, I'll tell you what, let's just not talk about that. Pilot was not very reassuring. So, uh, so yeah, I, I barely made it to Vegas, and then I get to Vegas, and and you know, thank God, everything went fine there. I made I made enough money so I could come home. So uh, Hillary and I came back here. We actually uh, went to the to the German restaurant. There's the, this German restaurant that's um, got closed down due to some IRS issues by my house. Uh, the previous owners had a little problem with the IRS, the government, and uh, they just reopened the uh, the German place. And um, thank God, man. Had a real craving for German food. So that's what I've been doing. So if you're wondering where the podcasts have been, well, I've been in Vegas and then uh, I came back here and my intent, I've, I've had lots of intent to do podcasts, but I've been busy. You know, listen, I got a lot going on. Okay. I got a lot on my plate and I don't just mean that in a general sense. I mean that in a, in, I've got a lot going on <laughs> this weekend. For example, uh, those of you that have been following me on my personal Facebook page or those of you that know me. Uh, this weekend, I'm uh, going off to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, I've got a big uh, radio gig interview going on there. Um, I'm flying out Sunday. Going to check out the facilities on Monday. Uh, Tim, many of, some of you might know Tim Clark, the uh, host on this network at one time of Extreme Weekends with Tim Clark. He ran a radio station in our little syndicated network back in the day as well. And uh, so I'm going to hang out with him. He works down in Jacksonville. So we're going to go check out the Monday night football game, uh, Jags and Titans from uh, what the hell is the name of that stadium there? Is that, is that all tell stadium or what the hell is that stadium? I don't even know. So I'll be down there checking out a Monday night game and uh, getting uh, interviewed and grilled and uh, asked a lot of questions about um, if, if I'm competent enough to be in radio. And of course, the answer is no, but I'm going to make it look like I totally am. You know, as long as uh, what's the old uh, what's the old adage? Uh, if you don't, <clears throat> if you can't do it, just tell a good. Well, I have to clean it up for the air, but if you don't know, just tell a really good BS story to make them think that you do know. Something like that. No, it's seriously. Uh, so I've got that going on this weekend. So that's going to be uh, that's big, and um, <laughs> you know, I mean this. <laughs> It's one of those things. Uh, when it rains, it pours. I mean, I got a lot of good stuff going on. Unfortunately, it's all happening in different places. You know, I've got Hillary over here in, in Las Vegas. Uh, I, I've got I got my friends with their teeth falling out here. Uh, I've got uh, and then I've got a radio gig going on in Jacksonville. I'm being pulled all over the place. I got other stuff going on. It's 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 crazy. Life is uh, life's gotten very crazy. So unfortunately, the podcast has been uh, a little bit on the back burner, and I do apologize for that. Um, it's not. It has nothing to do. Uh, unlike uh, previous months, unlike uh, earlier in the year when it was just you know uh, complete depression and and lack of motivation to do a podcast. Now it's I've got a lot happening. So that's uh, that's what's going on there. Anyway, um, enough about that. That's uh, it's crazy. I, I was just looking at this, too. There's so much weird stuff that's happened this week, too. It, naturally, when we don't do a podcast for a little while, the world goes topsy-turvy. And this is another example of how it's a man's world. It really is a man's world. So they rescued those 33 Chilean miners 
that were stuck down in the uh, in the mine for uh, since what August fifth. So for almost, well, just over two months, they were stuck down there. Thirty three guys. Uh, the mine shaft, uh, the, the whole thing collapsed. They were in this small little area. They dug a hole down. Uh, it was like uh, just a few inches wide to get air and necessary food and supplies down to these guys so that they could rescue them. The rescue effort cost about a million dollars a person. It was just over $33 million was how much they spent on the rescue effort for these Chilean miners. And uh, as they're pulling these guys out, you know, they have, um, they're fitting them with special sunglasses because this is the first time they're seeing daylight in over two months. And one of the guys that they rescued, he's got a wife and he has a mistress. See, this is why, this is why it's a man's world. Anybody, if you're a guy and you can't get laid, there's probably something wrong with you. Now, if you saw the quality of woman that this guy was getting, like if you saw his wife, his wife is like this, is like this old hag looking chick, you know? It's like this really not attractive looking. And, I, you know, I've seen Chilean women that are hot. OK, I've seen some very attractive South American women, some very attractive Chilean women. Um, and I'm not just making that up for the air. I mean, there really are attractive Chilean women. Um, I've never, you know, I, I've never seen an attractive woman from Bolivia. But Chile, I mean, they have some hot chicks. But this woman, uh, she looked like... Um, I don't know. Uh, she was just a a mess. All right, just a train wreck. And that's 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 the wife. That's what this guy married. The mistress was even uglier. I got to tell you, there must be something. Maybe the guy is is mostly blind from being down in those uh, being down in the mines all the time. Or maybe when you're a miner, you'll just take whatever you can get. Or maybe you're inhaling all those uh, all that all that dust. It's going directly to your brain. Something must be going on. But this guy, he had a wife and a mistress, and of course the the wife wouldn't show up. But the uh, I guess I guess the mistress did. Maybe I have that back. I don't know. I, I think I think that's what happened though. I think the I think the the wife would not show up, but the mistress was there to greet. It was just a and of course the guy comes out and there's this. And he uh, came out to a very tepid response from the crowd. Like everybody that was being pulled out, there was these loud cheers and loud applause. And then this guy comes out and everybody's sort of like, you know, yay. So, but uh, that situation is over with. And uh, here's the worst part about that. These guys are probably not going to get compensated for the time that they were stuck down there. They're not getting paid. And a lot of them said that they're going to have to go back to work. What else are they going to do? They're minors. You know, uh, some of these guys, and this is how bad it is to live in Chile. So I read one story about how some of the miners were down there. They were fighting to be the last guy to get out of the mine. Some guys wanted to actually be the last guy to be pulled out of the mine because they wanted to be famous for being the last guy pulled out. And they thought that maybe they could parlay that into a deal. That's how crappy it is to live in Chile. Imagine you live in a country that's so bad, you get stuck down in a mine. And you're fighting to be the last guy out just in the hopes that maybe you'll get some notoriety. And to be the most famous guy in Chile is like being the tallest kid in the third grade, isn't it? I mean, that's like a big deal. You're famous in Chile. Like how many famous Chilean people can you name? I can't even name one. 
I, I can't name any one of the 33 miners that were stuck down there. I don't know much about Chile. I mean, I know where it's located. Unlike Rick Sanchez, I know where it's located. I know, I know where South America is. But other than that, I really, I don't know a whole lot about, uh, about famous people from Chile. And how much could you be, how much could you possibly get to sell your rights to be the last guy? I was, hey man, I was the last guy to be pulled out of the Chilean mine, man. Yeah, so what? That's a good story, man. Yeah, you just told it. You're the, you were the last guy out. Yeah, but there was all this stuff that went on down their homes. There were a lot of stuff that went down in the, in the mine, man. Not really. It was dark. You guys were stuck down there for two months. Did you guys do anything sexually? No, man, we're not gay or nothing, man. They were nothing like that, man. Some guys went off into a corner and did some stuff, but I do not know where they was. Were you one of those guys? No. I just sat down there, and then we threw straws. We flipped a coin. We flipped a coin to see who would be the last one to go out. It was me. So that's how crappy, that's how crappy it must be uh, to live in Chile, to fight to be the last guy. To- Meanwhile, I would be, I would be, I would just dig my own tunnel out. I would have been like, you know what? You guys can sit down here and wait for the government to pull you out. Me, I'm tunneling out of here. <laughs> I'm getting the hell out. You guys stay down here. I'm, uh, I'm out. Smell you later. But it's, it's good for the Chilean president. Uh, the guy, uh, they said that they would get the guys out by December. Well, they got them out in October. So uh, he looks like a big hero. So that's going to go well for him. But speaking of the president, speaking of um, elections and whatnot, What are we now? We're 18 days away. 18 days away from You Decide 2010. We need the fancy reverb for that. We need the fancy effects. You Decide 2010. Yeah, that's happening. um, Yeah, 18 days. And uh, the the polls, the the senatorial and gubernatorial elections are really heating up. So you've got uh, this Sharon Angle, who's the Tea Party-backed candidate in uh, Nevada. She's taking down Harry Reid. There's no question. Now the polls are out. The latest polls, uh, she has about a four-point lead over Harry Reid, Senate Majority Leader. And Harry Reid has really been quiet. He hasn't really done much of anything. Finally, they had a televised debate. And I didn't really get to see much of it. I only got to see some of the uh, some clips and some highlights. But basically, uh, she took Harry Reid to task for being kind of like a, an old uh, Mario Cuomo kind of guy sitting up in his ivory tower, not really addressing the issues, not really addressing some of the stuff that uh, he's being accused of, not really taking on a lot of the issues uh, uh, that that are facing the country right now, not addressing the spending issues that Sharon Angle brought up, and which is really why the Tea Party was founded in the first place, not addressing any of those key issues, instead just choosing to sit in his ivory tower. Finally, he came down, and he looked like a big schlub. He really he, he came across as sort of... Harry Reid has that delivery, he has that delivery of a guy that's really kind of mellow and and too cool for the room kind of delivery. The really sort of pompous, well, you know, um, and he's got this kind of a, hey, um, listen, uh, I just think that you know, Sharon Angle, you really can't trust anybody that's part of that tea party. I mean, what has she done? Meanwhile, the president, uh, the president and, uh, and uh, the administration, Along with us in the Senate, we've uh, really worked for on health care reform. And, I mean, he has that really, that mellow delivery that you, you just, you want to smack the guy. He comes across like a big jerk. And that's, it's, it didn't help him in the polls to uh, come out and uh, participate in that. 
That wasn't good. And Obama's trying to rally the troops. Meanwhile, uh, Democrats are losing ground in all sorts of key battleground states, not just for senatorial uh, elections, but also for gubernatorial elections. As you see this uh, Meg Whitman in California, you've got her opponent accusing her of being a whore, calling her a whore. This is what the Democrats are rolling out. They're rolling out guys. uh, You wonder why they're losing. They're rolling out guys that are calling their opponents whores. They're putting out people. And believe me, uh, on the Republican side and on this Tea Party side, you've got people that are nutcases. I mean, this uh, Christine O'Donnell, she's a nut. Some people think Sharon Angle is a bit nutty, but guess what? They're a better alternative than what's in there right now. That's what's scary. That's why the Tea Party scares some people is because if, if you were alive in 1985, okay, let's just say you, let's just say you got in a time machine yesterday and all of a sudden you came from 1984, which was an election year. You came from 1984 to now and you saw some of the issues and some of the candidates that were running now. You'd be like, what the hell happened to the United States in the last 26 years? What, what kind of warp did I step into? How far into the future did I go? Did I go centuries into the future? No, you went a quarter of a century into the future. And this is the nuttiness that you're seeing now. The Tea Party is, uh, and, and really, I don't think the Tea Party, again, as we've discussed on the show many times, I don't think the Tea Party is bad in and of itself. I don't think the idea behind it, the force that sort of drives it is a bad thing. I think it's some of the people that have co-opted the Tea Party. And quite frankly, the fact that a few extremists or a few kind of weird people are in there and then what that does is that immediately makes it so they are a polarizing sort of effect to the democrats the democrats can use anything kind of unusual about somebody and they can run with it they'll go oh did you see that christine o'donnell she's a witch (laughs) she's a witch she's she she thinks she can fly around in a broom and you know she thinks she thinks she can cast spells and all meanwhile she didn't say she's a witch. I think what she said was she like showed up at a, at a Wiccan thing. Like she was sort of into the Wiccan thing for a little while. Big deal. I love how people uh, who believe in one set of nonsense ridicule somebody else that believes in another set of nonsense. I bet the same people that are out there ridiculing Christine O'Donnell Are the same people then on Sunday, they go to church and they talk to a a man in the sky or they talk to somebody that died on a cross or they talk to somebody that whatever. And they're sitting there going, well, you know, my man in the sky is a lot better than your witchcraft. I mean, because that's very believable. A dude that lives in the sky and, and floats around on clouds or, or lives in another plane or there's two planes, there's a heaven, there's, there's seven heavens and nine hells and Asmodeus uh, rules the nine hells and uh, God rules the seven heavens and there's St. Peter and, and, you know, and, and there's apostles and there's Gabriel and there's all this other stuff. Meanwhile, how's that any more whacked out than Wicca? Okay, sure. You know, uh, people have the perception of, well, uh, this woman, she rides around on a broomstick. I mean, come on. Whatever happened to attacking somebody based on their issues, not what they believe in? What happened to attacking somebody based on, you know, something solid, something concrete, something tangible, not something like religion or some kind of wedge issue like that? This was the same thing that went on in 2008 when everybody got on Barack Obama because of Jeremiah Wright. Meanwhile, 
what you should be attacking Barack Obama about is the fact that he had this, he has these radical spending ideas that are going to drive the country into oblivion. And then lo and behold, he gets into office and he has radical spending policies that are driving the country into oblivion, which is exactly what I was warning about on this show for years. Meanwhile, everybody wanted to talk about, oh, well, Barack Obama, you know, he went to this church where there was this pastor and the pastor screamed all sorts of stuff about Jews and boy, that was, that was terrible, wasn't it? Who cares? Listen, I don't care if I elect a guy to be the president of the United States who worships a friggin' rock. Okay, I don't care. I don't care if the guy looks at the sun and believes the sun is nothing more than a god that showers light and warmth and energy upon us. As long as the guy has responsible policies, good policies, he, he, he's somebody that I believe in in terms of of what is best for this country. If you are that kind of person, I don't believe what the hell you believe in. I don't care what the hell you believe in. It doesn't matter. Believe whatever you want. But I mean, to attack, to go after people because, well, uh, they believe in, they believe in Wicca. Yeah, well, you believe in God. Yeah, well, that's different. I mean, everybody believes in God. Only only a couple of people believe in Wicca. Well, okay, I guess. But that seems kind of like something that should be left on the schoolyard, don't you think? Ha ha, you're a witch. Ha ha ha, your parents believe in, in pagan crap. Okay, well, that's fine. What about the issues? What does Christine O'Donnell think about the radical spending that's going on in this country? What does she think about illegal immigration? What does she think about the inflation of the dollar? Uh, what does she think about Obamacare? What does she think about the various policies? That's what I care about. And I honestly, I think that's what a lot of people care about. Yeah, some people in the Bible Belt, yeah, they, that's what they care about. Believe me, in this country, I don't, think you, you, I don't think you can elect an atheist in this country. I don't think an atheist is ever going to be elected to president of the United States. We will have 10 black presidents consecutively before we have an atheist in the White House. I'm, that's just the way it is. You are never going to have anybody but a Catholic or a Protestant or some sort of deviation thereof in the White House. That's just where this country is at. And anything, even, even as a vice president or even as a secretary of state or a speaker of the house, you have to, I'm sorry, but if you're anything, if you're not a religious person, if you are an admitted atheist, you're never going to get elected in this country. That's just the way it is. Frankly, that's the way it is in much of the world. You have to believe in some kind of crap. Whatever it is, you either have to believe in that Islam, you have to believe in Allah Akbar, you have to believe in, in something. If you're one of those people that believes the universe is just this random fluke and that everything that's up in the sky, all the symmetry that is the universe is just some amazing coincidence and somehow all of that just happened, you're never going to get elected. They're going to think you're more nutty than the Wicca people. So that's just, um, that's just how it is. Me, I'm about the issues. That's what I've always been about. So, I don't know. All right. Uh, oh, yeah. I saw this, too. This was great. So, once again, to prove that government is 
less efficient than the private sector. What is this example number 5,930 of how uh, the private industry, private sector can do anything better than the government? Virgin uh, Galactic's space tourism rocket, Spaceship Two, achieved its first solo glide flight last Sunday. Marking another step in the company's eventual plans to fly paying passengers. They want to take tourists out into space. A private company is putting together a spaceship that goes out there. It actually leaves the Earth's atmosphere. It actually does go into space. And no, it doesn't even blow up. And here's the best part. Unlike NASA, they're able to build a space shuttle for like $30 million. And unlike NASA, they don't launch it from a launching pad. They don't use 1950s technology. They're actually launching it from a plane. Basically, this plane flies up to about 40,000 feet. And then the spaceship portion of the plane, uh, 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 you know, sort of uh, detaches and flies off. These booster rockets go off and then it flies out into space. And that is how the new technology of spaceship will be. It'll take off like an airplane. It will not take off like an old school rocket from 1957 with ignition sequences and whatnot. It will take off like a regular aircraft. The entire test flight that they did, it lasted about 25 minutes. Quote, it flew beautifully, said Virgin Galactic Chief Executive George Whitesides. The six-passenger Spaceship 2 is undergoing rigorous testing before it can carry tourists to space. In the latest test, Spaceship 2 did not fire its rocket engine to climb to space. Until now, Spaceship 2 has flown attached to the wing of its special jet-powered mothership, dubbed White Knight 2. Sunday was the first time that the spaceship flew on its own. The flight marks another key milestone towards opening the space frontier for private individuals, researchers, and explorers, according to John Gedmark, who is the executive director of the Commercial Space Flight Federation. Once again, this is private industry doing something far, uh, in a far more effective manner than the government ever can. Faster, at a more cost-effective rate than the government. It takes NASA years to get a rocket going. It takes these guys a few months. It takes NASA billions. It takes these guys 30 million. That's the difference. That's why the private sector is always more efficient than the government. And don't forget that. The rule applies to healthcare. The rule applies to everything. Private se- this is once again, this goes up on the scoreboard. Private industry, 10,479,000. Government, one. Yeah, the scoreboard right now is a little bit lopsided. It was like, we were, uh, Jeff and I were hanging out at the German restaurant last night, and there was, uh, there was some high school football game on. And it was the third quarter, and I believe the score was like 70 to 10, or 70 to 14. Yeah, pretty lopsided. That's just about as lopsided as the scoreboard right now for private sector versus the government. And uh, oh, this is uh, speaking of the government. And we talk about this on the show. And this is not the conspiracy theory crap. Okay, this is not stuff that's, uh, that's all about uh, conspiracy nuts and New World Order kind of stuff. No, no, no. This is, this is legit. And people that are into the New World Order conspiracy stuff, you're going to 
Your ears are definitely going to be perking up when we talk about this story. You're going to be one of those people that's going to be like, see, I told you. And maybe there's some credence to what you have to say. Check it out. The Institute of International Finance, which is a group that represents 420 of the world's largest banks and finance houses, has issued yet another call for a one world global currency. This was reported in uh, this was in Jerome Corsi's Red Alert report. Quote, a core group of the world's leading economists need to come together and hammer out an under uh, I'm sorry, an understanding that according to Charles Delara, the Institute of International Finance Managing Director, the IIF policy letter authored by Delara and dated October 4th made it clear that global currency coordination was needed. In the group's view, uh, this is, needs to be done to prevent a looming currency war. And of course, this has to do with the fact that once again, the dollar is dropping off precipitously. And this time, it's dropping off precipitously because, uh, frankly, China owns... Way too many dollars. China owns half of this country. (laughs) We've sold just so much of this nation to China. And then you also have to factor in that um, we're just printing out more money. That's how we're paying all of our debts. That's how we're handling things. That's how we're going to pay for this uh, upcoming uh, Obama health care plan. That's how we're going to pay for uh, more stimulus checks to be written or whatever the hell it is that we're going to do. The radical spending that continues. We're just going to print more money. We're just going to start up the printing presses and there they go. More money out, out the door on the printing presses. And that's why the dollar is once again dropping off precipitously. It's not because the economy is rebounding and everybody's making more money. It's because we're printing more money. And it's because our debt is increasing exponentially day by day. The debt clock keeps ticking, tick, tick, tick. And the interest on our debt and the fact that so much, we owe so much money and most of it to China. I mean, you think about that. And then you have all these banks that are getting together saying, you know what, we need, a, we need a one world currency. I don't know if we'll ever see it. But who knows? The, one, the New World Order people tell you, see, this is exactly the chain of events. This is the timeline. I know somebody like that. I know somebody that's big into the New World Order stuff. And, you know, I used to argue with this guy all the time. He'd say, oh, there's just no way. People aren't that smart. Uh, human beings just aren't that smart to coordinate a New World Order. You know what it is? It's not even about a coordination of a New World Order anymore. It's one of those things where... Because of the latent stupidity of this nation and the latent stupidity of other economies around the world, that may be the only option. Now, the Alex Jones types will tell you that, well, that's not stupidity. It's brilliantly engineered. I don't know. Me, I, the only reason I've, I've always sort of um, rejected the New World Order philosophy is because... I always think that it sort of goes against the very basics of human nature. Human nature is to compete. Human nature is to always have a little bit more than the other guy. Human nature is to always undercut the other guy to get a little bit more, just to get a little edge over somebody else. And really, the New World Order goes against that basic philosophy. The New World Order is like, well, uh, gee... um, Everybody is going to get, there's going to be a one world currency and we're all going to be under the umbrella of one government, one leadership group. Well, I don't know if I'm China, I don't necessarily want to play by that. I want to have a little bit more than the United States. If I'm Iran, why do I want to be on the same level 
of China and the United States and Great Britain. I don't want to be on their level. I want more for me. I want to have a little bit more. I want to have the trump card over Israel. I want to have the trump card over everybody else. So I'm going to have more nuclear weapons. I'm going to get a little bit more money. Uh, I'm not going to abide by this idea. That's why I believe that the New World Order is really not a viable solution. But I'll tell you what, when you start talking about a one world currency, I don't think logistically it will ever happen. But then again, if the dollar continues its precipitous fall, and right now, the U.S. dollar, as I'm sitting here right now, I just looked it up, the U.S. dollar is worth the same as the Canadian dollar. And so if it continues that, that drop-off, and if the euro continues its drop-off, those are your major currencies in the world right now. There could be a case that you could make, I, I suppose, for a one-world currency. These economies, they're not recovering anytime soon. I can't even begin to fathom what would happen. What would happen if all of a sudden we sort of pulled to Mexico and said, all right, all the dollars you have right now, you have uh, 30 days to trade them all in and get the new uh, issued currency, whatever, the brand new United States currency or the brand new world currency. And by the way, that new currency is only worth about one half of the currency you had before. But if you don't trade it in, your old currency is going to be worth nothing. So you either take half or a fourth or a tenth of whatever it was you were worth before and trade it in and get that, or you get nothing. So you decide. That's sort of in the vein of the New World Order sort of uh, ideology. Again, I don't necessarily buy it entirely, but when you see heads of state, when you see leaders of country, remember, when you, remember uh, Vladimir Putin was out there talking about it. Prime Minister Gordon Brown was out there talking about it. Um, it was mentioned uh, by Barack Obama in a speech. Um, when you see major banks, when you see international finance institutes talking about a one world currency, it, it no longer is in the realm of speculation. Now it's in the brainstorming phase. Hey, how can we make this happen? What are the pros? What are the cons? What does it mean? Maybe we should explore the idea. That's sort of where we're at right now. We're in sort of in the exploratory phase now because you have people that are out there, major, major players in the world that are out there saying, yeah, maybe this is a good idea. Maybe this is something we ought to do. Something to consider. All right. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That would be the email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger. Uh, Michael Groff Show is the screen name. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. MichaelGroff.com, the place to go for everything Michael Groff related. You can also donate to this program, and boy, I'm really going to need those donations. I still have a guy that's uh, screwing me over on my on some voiceover work. I'm actually calling him out on the show. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I, I have a guy, so you know, so I really need uh, I really need him to pay up, and I need uh, and it would be really cool if uh, other people would donate to the program. Mike at KMGX.com is our PayPal address. That's another thing. I have to, 
on top of everything else I've got going on, I'm still, I'm like a collection agency. I'm chasing down a guy that owes me money for work I did. That's always fun. Because that's what I want to do with my life. I want to be a collector. Never mind the job in Jacksonville. I want to work for a collection agency. Oh my God, can you imagine? That would be the worst job in the world. Call up a guy. Excuse me, uh, Mr. Johnson. Um, and you, you have to you have to take that tone with him, Mr. Johnson. Uh, I I show that you still owe two thousand seven hundred eighty five dollars on your room store account. I was just wondering when we can expect payment on that, sir. You have to take that tone. All right. We'll be back. It's uh, the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show on a Friday. Check out your pop chart. We got to look at the pop chart. That's coming up in just a few as well. Stand by for that reluctantly. We'll be back. Segment number two, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email address. Also, our PayPal address, Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger, and, of course, for everything else Michael Groff related, you know it, it's MichaelGroff.com. Busy weekend coming up. Right now, I'm just sitting here. I'm watching the uh, Yankees-Rangers game. It is the bottom of the sixth. It is 5-0 Rangers. That's right. 5 no- Take that, Yankee fan. Are we going to do the bit? Are we going to call... Oh, I'm sorry. Are we going to call um, a... Uh, are we going to call a random place in New York and uh, ask them when the next Yankees game is going to be on? Are we going to do that? That'd be great. But it's only one game. We'll see. How's that A.J. Burnett thing working out for you, Yankee fan? That's what I want to know. Pretty soon, we won't have to hear this anymore. Oh, thank God. We won't, yeah, we won't be hearing this. Yankees win. The Yankees Win. Hopefully we don't have to hear that anymore the rest of the season. I hope to God I don't have to hear that. Yankees win. The Yankees win. Uh, as long as I can go the rest of the baseball season without hearing that, I think I'll be all right. But I'm pretty sure the Yankees are going to get at least a game in this series, probably a couple. 
Not the ones Cliff Lee's pitching, though. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, this is uh, the couple of uh, other things I wanted to get into here. Man, uh, Carl Palladino, you see what this guy's up to? Uh, this is another one of those fascinating elections that's going on, a fascinating gubernatorial election that's uh, happening in, uh, in New York. Carl Palladino is the Republican candidate, and he is nuttier than a pecan log. I don't know if you caught some of the things that he said on, this was earlier in the week, and we haven't been here, so I haven't had a time to uh, really address this or comment on it. But Carl Palladino uh, went out, uh, he went to a synagogue, and this was at the, let's see, this was at the Kahal Adas Kashaw Synagogue or whatever, I don't know. He talked about homosexuality, and he said that, quote, kids would be much better off and much more successful getting married and raising a family than being gay. He was also, uh, let's see, following uh, his speech, Palladino then defended his remarks. He went on the Today Show, and he says that he has, he's not a discriminatory guy. He's not a bigot. He has nothing against gays in his personal life, but opposes gay marriage. See, he's one of those guys, he went out there in front of a bunch of people and said that there's just, you know, you can't go out and, and be gay and be a successful person. Successful people cannot be gay. You cannot raise a family successfully as a gay person. You know, that was his kind of, uh, or as a gay couple. Uh, that was his ideology. What the hell would this guy know? And he even goes out, he goes on. He goes further with that. He also says that children shouldn't be exposed to gay culture. He says that singling out pride parades with a description of marchers wearing Speedos and grinding against each other. He says that he would have no problem hiring gays in his administration, mentioning his gay nephew. Palladino says the discrimination that he and others face um, is a very ugly experience. So let me get this straight. You're going to show us how non-discriminatory you are because you'll hire, you'll hire those cute little gays uh, in your administration, but you just don't think that they should be participating in pr- gay pride parades and you certainly don't think that they should be engaging in a gay lifestyle. And you most certainly don't think that they should be able to get married. Nor do you think that they should be able to raise a family. But you're not gay and you have no problem hiring gays because you have a gay nephew. If that's, I, I, do I understand that correctly? Hey, you know, I have no problem with gay people. Uh, my nephew is gay. That's like the guy that goes, I'm not racist. I don't hate black people. Some of my best friends are black. I have black relatives. Yeah, sure you do. Whenever you have to go to the I have a relative that's gay card, therefore I'm not a, I'm not a bigot. I'm not discriminatory. Uh, somebody in my family's gay, so therefore I can't possibly be discriminatory against gay people. Whenever you have to go to that card, it usually means you've got nothing. It usually means you're a bigot. And it's okay. Listen, here's the thing that uh, about people. I, I, I have no problem with Carl Palladino being against gay people as long as he's against gay people. Don't backpedal. Don't sit there and say, well, you know, listen, I have no problem hiring gay people in my administration. And I most certainly don't have any problem with gay people as people. I just think that everything that makes them gay, everything that makes them who they are as a person, which means their lifestyle, which means who they want to marry and how they live their lives on a daily basis. I just have a problem with that. Everything else is fine. 
People like that make me really sick. It's those kind of discriminatory jackasses that are out there. Well, you know, I don't have a problem. That's just like, that's, that's the same argument for people that, well, I don't have a problem with black guys per se. Uh, black people are, are fine, uh, except I just don't want to have anything to do with them, you know. But I mean, I'd hire one of them, you know, uh, one of them dark people. But, you know, this, this, it's the same stupid argument. It's the same argument. Carl Palladino is saying the exact same thing. Well, I... I I'd hire a gay guy, I guess. I I don't know. And to listen to this guy try to spin it, he's a complete mushmouth. He's a complete Neanderthal. And that's usually what happens when you actually question a bigot about their bigotry and you try to make them sort of justify why they feel that way. And I know he was speaking to some Jews. I guess they're pretty orthodox Jewish people and they have a problem with gay people as well. So, you know, he's out there trying to trying to energize his base. And I guess his base are a bunch of fag haters. I kind of thought that we were at a point in our society where we were a little bit more enlightened. I sort of thought that we had reached a stage in, in our country where if you were gay, it was, you know, it's all right. It's fine. But the more and more I see some of these guys coming out now uh, that are just so blatantly anti-gay, it makes me go, you know, I don't think we really have advanced. And as a matter of fact, I think some people are seeing sort of a, a trend in our society uh, to where it, it, people are more open-minded and they are more open and accepting toward people of a different lifestyle than their own, be it homosexual or bisexual or transgendered or whatever. They see that and they say, I'm going to rebel. I'm going to be even less open to it. I'm going to be even more bigoted toward that kind of ideology because more people are accepting of it and I just don't think it's right. So I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be on the front lines challenging it. And then as soon as you challenge them on that belief, they immediately fall back to, hey man, hey, I have no problem with gays, got no problem with fags. You know, I just don't want the queers getting married, you know, uh, and, and I don't want anything to do with them. I mean, I'd hire them. Don't get me wrong. I, I, you can't bust me for, you know, EEOC or anything because I'd hire the gays. Uh, but I'm, I, you know, because I have a nephew that's gay. So, so I, I don't hate gays. I just hate everything about them. Yeah. That's the attitude. Do you believe that? Do you, do you believe this guy? All right. Um, Mike at KMGX.com. It's email address. You got any thoughts on any of that? It's just another nutty sort of Republican guy. See, this is the problem. And, you know, this is why people got into this Tea Party movement in the first place is because we have more of the same old politician. We have the same old conservative jackass. Now, I always thought that if you were a conservative guy, you wanted to stay out of people's personal affairs. You wanted to stay out of their lives. You wanted the government to stay out of their lives. So if they got married, if a gay person got married, in if you were a true conservative... If you were really a conservative, you wouldn't give a crap if gay people got married. Because it's not the government's business, and therefore it's not your business. If you were really a conservative guy, you see, these are faux conservatives. These are faux Republicans. They're not real. This is the religious wing of the Republican Party. A true conservative would never give a crap if somebody's gay. I certainly don't. Gay people, I have no problem with gay marriage. I have no problem with gay people adopting a child. I have no problem with, uh, with people having a gay pride parade. You know, because then obviously the counter argument is, well, you don't see a straight pride parade. Well, how dumb is that? 
Why do you need a straight pride parade? You don't need that. You have that everywhere. I was walking down the street uh, just a few days ago, and, uh, and, and I see two people getting it on on a bus bench. Heterosexual people. You see that all the time. I don't understand being gay. I don't understand why guys are gay. I mean, I, I look, women are just so incredibly beautiful. Honestly, this is not a gratuitous mention. I'm just saying, like, I look at my girlfriend and I go, there's no way I could ever be gay. I, I love women. I'm into women. Like, to me, a guy is gross. I don't know how women can like guys, uh, quite frankly. I don't know how the human race, I don't know how the species is able to continue because, to me, guys are horribly disgusting. But I have no problem with guys being gay. I know people that are, and I know people that are in the closet about it. So it's no big deal. Um, but then you have people like Carl Palladino and that's why people stay in the closet is because of people like Carl Palladino. And this guy wants to be the governor. This guy, this guy has higher aspirations in politics and he's a guy that's telling you it's, it's not okay to be yourself. There's a problem with being yourself. There's a problem with your lifestyle. And I don't think children should have to put up with that kind of lifestyle that you lead. I think that that's wrong. Well, gee, who the hell are you? This is a little disturbing. Um, Did you see who's getting a talk show? This is once again proof that they will give anybody a talk show. Why don't I have a talk show, a TV talk show? Why am I not a big-time TV talk host? They've given everybody a chance but me, and this is proof. Did you see who's getting a show? Fran Drescher is getting a show. Remember that show, The Nanny? (laughs) Remember that, that woman with the horribly nasally voice? Oh, I've got a show on TV. Oh. oh, thank you. With that horrible, like, Long Island accent. Oh, I've got a show on TV. Oh. Oh, thank you. Oh, it's going to be called Fran Drescher. Oh, my God. They're giving her a show. Starting November 26th, Fox, of course Fox, Fox stations will air a trial of the Fran Drescher show, co-produced by Debmar Mercury Company, uh, let's see, on six owned and operated venues, New York, L.A., Philadelphia, Phoenix, Minneapolis, and Orlando. Great. So here in Phoenix, uh, we're going to be subjected to Fran Drescher on Fox. Oh, I'm on Fox again. Oh, thank you. The trial for the one-hour entertainment talk program hosted by the actress best known for her role in the 1990s sitcom The Nanny uh, will run for three weeks. No date has been set for a series rollout. Can I make a prediction right now? Let me tell you something. That show will be... It will not even get a one share. That will be the lowest rated talk show that Fox has ever had. And I understand Fox had... Didn't Fox have the Chevy Chase show? They had Chevy Chase, right? Was was it Fox that had Chevy Chase? They had either that or they had uh, the Dennis Miller uh, show, which was great, I thought, but it will be worse than the Chevy Chase show because the difference is Chevy Chase is funny. It's just his talk show just didn't work, but Chevy Chase is a funny guy. Fran Drescher, there is nothing funny about her. She, her voice is annoying, and quite frankly, um, she's not really that attractive. And if you don't have an attractive voice and you don't have a good look, you're not going to do well on TV. Maybe that's why they would never give me a show on TV. They usually don't give ugly guys TV shows. Though that's not true either. 
They ran that that Maury Povich. He's out there. He's doing those shows. Who your baby daddy or whatever. He does that that Maury Povich show, and all he does is paternity tests now. That's all that guy does. Drescher uh, said that her show would cover all my passions, everything from pedicures to politics. Oh, God. We're going to have another one of those shows. Oh, so I have my, I have the woman that does my pedicures on the show. You're going to hear that. And like, she's going to be having her, uh, a pedicure done on camera. And then while she's doing that, you know what I love about Obama? Everything. Ah! That's, that's what we're going to be subjected to. I I can't take it. I can't take TV has gotten so bad, and I hardly ever watch any TV anyway. The shows I do want to watch, I watch them on Hulu. You know, I don't sit here and and even bother to because I, I get promos for bad shows that I don't want to see. Most of them are on Fox. As a rape and cancer survivor, the author of Cancer Schmancer in 2002, she's also looking forward to sharing her life lessons. Quote, Fran is a natural... See, now I know people are going to say, you made fun of a cancer survivor. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, I'm sorry, but her show still sucks. Her, the nanny sucked, and, and this, this talk show, it's going to be bad. Yeah, meanwhile, I'm sure I'm going sure to record it, and we're going to have clips of it on this show. Yeah, it'll be worse than The Magic Hour. There was a show that was on fire. The Magic Hour. It will be worse. This will be worse than The Magic Hour. And wasn't that? That was a bad show, wasn't it? Remember Magic Johnson had a talk show? Nah, what you have to do here? And Whoa, look at that. He had a talk show. Magic Johnson. Maybe one of the slowest talking and most inarticulate people had a talk show. You know, I mean, I, listen, the guy, uh, I don't know whatever happened. Not, you know, he had HIV. I think he beat it. I don't, I don't know what happened. <laughs> but he had a talk show. And it was the worst thing. It was like, it was an abomination on TV. Anyway, quote, Fran is a natural, multifaceted talent with an extraordinary life story who is perfect for daytime talk, said uh, Mort Marcus and Ira Bernstein, who are co-presidents of Debmar Mercury. The program will be broadcast live from Los Angeles. Dresher will serve as executive producer, working alongside Scott Sternberg and producing partner Peter March Jacobson. Scott Sternberg Productions will produce the preview episodes. Debmar Mercury syndicates uh, the Wendy Williams show, which Fox also tested before rolling it out to the stations uh, for fall syndication. Wendy Williams, that's another show I don't get. You know, Wendy Williams was this chick that was in radio. And she kind of considered herself to be like as big as Howard Stern. She's like, the, she like thought of herself as a female Howard Stern. Meanwhile, nobody has ever heard of Wendy Williams. Nobody knows who, who she is. Her show is so, it's another one of these god-awful, annoying shows where a woman screams on the air and gets all this false energy going. And she has all these guests on that... Really, quite frankly, unless you're a 40-something woman, you really don't care about. All right, coming up, we're going to have some tips to get rid of those age spots and how to fight against those crow's feet. Yeah! You know, that's the kind of show that, that, that she does.
It's that kind of show. And I'm sure Fran Drescher is going to do the same thing. Oh, I'm going to get a pedicure. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. The, we really, we have to look forward to that. That's a show. It's actually going to be on. All right. One other uh, quick note from the world of entertainment. Is this actually even news? So Carrie Fisher, of course, the Star Wars actress, she played uh, Princess Leia. She admits, uh, she admitted on Monday uh, to taking cocaine on the set of The Empire Strikes Back, saying that she didn't even like the drug, but was intent on getting high. Of course, Carrie Fisher, now 53, said that her life had been defined by addiction. She had stints of psychiatric uh, hospital stays and rehab clinics, even the emergency room with an overdose. Quote, we did cocaine on the set of Empire and in the, and, uh, in the ice planet. Fisher stole, uh, told Australian newspaper Newswire AAP, referring to the setting of the second film of the original uh, Star Wars trilogy. Quote, I didn't even like coke that much. It was just a case of getting... Uh, on whatever train I needed to take to get high. Like, why not? Why not just smoke some weed? I mean, if you want to get high, why not just smoke a little weed or, or I don't know, get a little drunk or something? I don't know. Uh, John Belushi apparently warned her that she had a problem prior to his own death of a drug overdose in 1982. And Fisher said that she ultimately came to realize how dangerous her habits were. Wow. So Carrie Fisher, by the way, have you seen Carrie Fisher? There's a picture of her. Carrie Fisher, remember how she looked when she was Princess Leia? Remember that? I mean, again, we're talking over 30 years ago now. But, you know, she was a cute chick, but uh, age has not been kind to Princess Leia. Age has not been kind to Carrie Fisher. She is hideous. She looks like she did a lot of cocaine and other drugs. Women that smoke a lot and women that, that do a lot of, uh, well, people in general that do a lot of coke and that do a lot of drugs, they do not age gracefully. And Carrie Fisher, she's 53 going on 117. She looks twice her age and at least six feet under the ground. She looks terrible. And uh, there, was a, um, there was an audio clip I had. I don't, know. I don't know what happened to it. There was an audio clip I have of uh, Carrie Fisher also. She sounds awful. Remember how she sounded back in the in the Star Wars trilogy? Now her voice is like this. Oh, I did cocaine. Oh God. They're probably gonna give her a talk show on Fox. Oh, I did a Oh God, we're gonna have somebody in here to give me a pedicure. Yeah. That sounds great. Oh, when we were on the set of Star Wars, when we did Empire Strikes Back. Uh, when we were on the Ice Planet scene, I did all that. I did a whole bunch of coke off a key. Oh, God. She sounds like that now. Oh. Her voice is deeper than mine. Well, I did a lot of coke, and I smoked a lot of cigarettes, and um, I don't know. I've had a rough life. Very rough life. Oh, God. George Lucas was the greatest director. And he always would score the best coke. Oh, God. All right. Mike at KMGX.com. That's the email address. 
It is Mike at KMGX.com. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Graff Show, the screen name. It's really sad when you look at somebody that is 53 years old. That's not that old, okay? 53, she looks, she looks horrendous. I know somebody else is going to say, you know, we made fun of Fran Drescher. Now somebody else is going to say, you're making fun of a woman that uh, she fought against a cocaine addiction. You're very rude. You know that about yourself? You're very rude. Making fun of those people. You don't know. How, how do you know? Why, why would you make fun of people like that? Why would you make fun of a cancer survivor? Why would you make fun of somebody that was a, a cokehead and they rehabilitated themselves? I'm sure they look like a train wreck, but why make fun of that? You're not very attractive yourself, you know. We'll be back. Third segment coming up. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. If you leave, don't leave now. Please don't take my heart away. Promise me just one more night. Then we'll go our separate ways. We always had time on our sides. Now it's fading Mercifully, it's the third and final segment, Michael Graff show for a Friday, October 15th, 2010. Oh, I'm just not in a good mood. All right, uh, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. Also, the PayPal address for this program. You can always contribute to us monetarily via PayPal. Again, Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show is our screen name on AOL Instant Messenger and MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. Yeah, I don't have a Twitter account yet. That's true. Give Fran Drescher a show. And the rocks might melt. But not me. And the seed may burn. I mean, really? Seriously? I'm learning to fly. But I ain't got wings. Alright, well, speaking of disgusting things like that, it's unfortunately that time of the week where we have to delve into the world of the disgusting. Yes. It's time to take a look at the top 10 songs in the world of pop music. Pop, pop, pop music. Pop, pop, pop music. These are the 10 most played songs on top 40 radio stations everywhere. Official airplay data compiled by Mediabase. And then we, uh, we look at it and then we get disgusted and play it for you. Unfortunately, this song is still around. 
Though I am told by uh, by people in the know in the radio biz that uh, this artist does not test well in focus groups, so maybe maybe she won't be around too long. Uh, we can only hope so because here she is at uh, unfortunately number ten this week. It's uh, Kesha. Take it off. I looked around. I've really put out the call on the show over the uh, months that we've done this pop chart bit or the years that we've been doing this pop chart bit. And I, I still can't find anybody that likes any of these songs. Nobody that would admit it anyway. I'm sure that there are people that listen to this show that quietly listen to these songs. and They go, I don't know. That Groff, he's, he doesn't know what he's talking about. These are good tunes. Come on. Uh, I like how they shoehorn designated driver in there. Hey, that's responsible. Number nine, en- Enrique Iglesias featuring Pitbull. I like it. It's our crappy version of this song. We never bothered to download a good one. This is the number nine song in the country. All right, only outdone by the crap at number eight. It's Rihanna, only girl in the world. It's another song with a 4-4 beat. I've never heard that before. Literally, I could make the bass line for this song in like 10 minutes on my Korg. Alright, number seven. It's Florida with Club Can't Handle Me Now. 95.1 WAP, Jacksonville's number one music station. And uh, I'm not interviewing for this job, but if I did, I would hit the post just like this and tell you that you're listening to The Big Ape. Supposedly, this this song now is the number six song in the nation. It's it's new on the pop chart this week. I haven't even heard this yet. This is by Far East Movement, and the song is called Like a G6. I don't know what that means, but...
I don't even know what this means. And I'm in a bad mood anyway, so I just want to get this over with. Number five, it's Nelly with Just a Dream. Oh, yeah, she's got a little bit of an intro on it. We can talk it up right up to the post, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Count down the pop chart as we do every single week. It's the softer, more sensitive, and sedate side of Nelly. Oh. Number four, it's Tyo Cruz with Dynamite. I came to dance, 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 dance. I hit the floor because that's my plans, 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 plans. I'm wearing all my favorite brands, 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 brands. Give me some space for both my hands, 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 hands. You, you, because it goes on and on and on. Uh, and uh, I, know, I know you want to hear the hook desperately. All right, here. Number three, it's Usher featuring Pitbull with DJ Got Us Fallen in Love. Number two, she's not very bright. She never wears appropriate clothing. But then again, if you're a guy, you really don't care if she does, even if it is on the set of Sesame Street, and that's just kind of weird. Regardless, it's uh, Katy Perry. She's not number one anymore. Here's uh, Teenage Dream. Number one song in the nation. Yes, it has taken over the number one status. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. It's Bruno Mars with Just the Way You Are. A song that can be heard more than 80 times a week on 
any given top 40 radio station over 80 times a week. That's once every two hours. Oh, her eyes, her eyes make the stars look like they're not shining. Her Actually, 89.5 times a week, on average, this song played on top 40 radio stations. That literally means... That's about every hour and 55 minutes or so, you're hearing this song on a top 40 station. But every time she asks me, do I look okay, I say... When I see Eighty-nine times a week, a station is playing this song. Like I understand if it was a good song, but like I have all the data here. Here's so like this song. Apparently, it's so good that it got. Let's see. On every, if you added up all the spins on all the top forty radio stations across the country, it, it, it played a total of twelve thousand eight hundred forty-seven times this week. Um, let's see. I guess that's on a hundred forty-three stations that are rated. Uh, Eighty-nine point. 89.5 times this song played this week. That's three more times than it played last week on average. Scary. We've talked about unbelievable stories on the air before involving alcohol. And I love these kind of stories. We did a show uh, years and years and years ago. I can't even remember. It was, uh, there's a guy, I think he was in like Romania or something. Remember we did a story about the guy that blew a .91 BAC? He didn't even blow. They did a blood test on him. They did a test on him three times to confirm he had a blood alcohol level of 0.91, which basically means his blood was alcohol. You could have almost ignited his blood on fire. I mean, he, that's not 0.091. No, no, no. 0.91. In other words, more than 11 times the legal limit. All right. Well, this story is almost as unbelievable. But just so you know, uh, blood alcohol content. By almost all 50 states, if you have a 0.08 blood alcohol content, which is, you know, a couple of drinks, it depends on who you are, you know, your size, your, um, how you handle your alcohol. But average size person, you know, that's a couple of drinks and you're at 0.08. You are legally drunk. Then you're considered extreme DUI when you hit like 0.15. That's the cutoff that they have for that. That's, that's several more drinks. When you blow a .15, most people that do a .15 are very drunk. They are very intoxicated. They have a hard time walking. 
Um, they certainly are slurring their words. They're certainly not completely coherent. Then you get into the level of like once you're above point two zero, then you you walking becomes almost impossible. Um, you're almost assuredly going to be sick. And that's that's many drinks. That's 10, 12, 14 drinks, depending on the person. That's a lot of alcohol that you've ingested to get there. Then you start getting up into like 0.30. Then it be, starts to become dangerous to your health. You, you hit 0.40 blood alcohol content, and it's life-threatening. You could very well die from being uh, intoxicated. Well, there's a woman uh, in... This happened in Wisconsin. Her name is Kirsten Peterson. They found her in a medical center. She was passed out. She had a blood alcohol content of 0.57. She is a physician, a licensed and working physician in the state of Wisconsin. Even though medical authorities in North Dakota had banned her from practicing medicine, she was still practicing medicine in Wisconsin, and she was regularly showing up drunk. In fact, one time she just showed up at, at this place that she worked at, her own clinic, and she just passed out. She was, uh, she was blowing a .57 BAC. Nice. So somehow this woman was able to continue practicing medicine. And there were times where people complained because this woman was drunk while she was on the job. And again, she's a physician. So this is the problem with the medical industry. And you want the government to step in and make it all better? Quote, an oversight occurred in not responding to notices received from North Dakota regarding the actions against Miss Peterson's license, said David Carlson, who's the spokesman for the department, who says, quote, we have put new safeguards in place to ensure that these reports receive our prompt attention. On August 18th, more than a year after North Dakota initiated the license suspension process, the Wisconsin Medical Examiner's Board suspended Peterson's license. So finally, after a couple of incidents where she showed up to work drunk and one time showed up blowing a .57, uh, she got fired. Now, check this out. She was suspended from uh, the clinic, then fired on uh, July 21st when she was found to have a blood alcohol content of 0.32 when she reported for alcohol detoxification treatment. Wow. A practicing physician, drunk. And not just drunk, way drunk. And then one time just decides she's going to show up and just hang out at her own clinic and sleep off her, her drunkenness. A 0.57 BAC. Point five. You you really honestly you should be dead. You blow a point five seven. You really should be dead. No question about it. I have to tell you, uh, just from my own personal experience, I've been drunk before. I've been very drunk before. I've been falling down drunk. I had to have guys carry me down some stairs once because I just don't think I could have done it on my own. And I have to tell you something that even that, even then, I don't know what, what I was at, but I was probably at a, a, maybe a point two or a, maybe a point two two or a two four. Then again, I don't know. I handle alcohol pretty well. I, I remember spending an afternoon uh, with one of my friends drinking. His dad had just had a heart attack and he was really just bumming out and stressing out. So we, we did what guys normally do when they get stressed out. Uh, we went and hit the sauce. We went and uh, went to a bar. And we spent the afternoon drinking. And I, I don't know, I spaced mine out a little bit, but I, I only blew like a .06 on the, on the little tester that they had there. I, I didn't, I don't know. I, I guess I felt all right. 
And my friend, who was not in any condition to drive, and then came home and threw up at my house, he only blew like a point one zero. So, you know, you can be you can be sick at at a pretty small BAC. I mean, point five seven, that's just scary for me to even think about. That just seems that just seems crazy. All right, let's get out of here. Call it another exciting, uh, fun-filled, and successful podcast, except for this third segment where I got all pissed off because, well, whatever. Who cares? All right, I am uh, out of here. I am off to Jacksonville on Sunday, and, uh, of course, we'll let you know how that goes. Um, Maybe I'll be packing up and moving. Maybe I won't be broadcasting from America's fifth largest city anymore. Maybe I'll be broadcasting from, I don't even know, uh, what is Jacksonville? America's 93rd largest city? I don't even know. I know it's, like, what what radio market is that? From 46 or something? We'll find out. All right, back with another show real soon. Keep it up. Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. That is Mike at KMGX.com. That is also the PayPal address. Your monetary contributions are always appreciated. MichaelGroff.com for everything else Michael Groff related. Our chat channel is over there. You can hang out, chat with us. You can also send us a message on AOL Instant Messenger. The screen name is Michael Groff Show. We always appreciate it. Have a great night, everybody. Talk to you soon. Be back with another show uh, then. See ya. By the way, I can't believe I just saw this. So, you know, I was gloating earlier in the show. I was watching, while doing the podcast, I'm watching the Texas Rangers game. Yeah, now it's six to five Yankees in the ninth. The Yankees came back with six runs in the eighth inning. Just sick. All right. See you tomorrow. Good night.